we remain standing to honor the gospel of Jesus Christ. Comes to us today from Mark chapter 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came forward to Jesus and said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Jesus said to them, What is it you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us to sit, one at your right hand, the other at your left hand, in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They replied, We are able. Jesus said to them, The cup that I drink, you will drink. And the baptism with which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared. When the ten other disciples heard this, they began to be angry with James and John. So Jesus called them together and said to them, You know that among the Gentiles, those whom they recognize as their rulers, lord it over them, and that their great ones are tyrants over them. But it is not so among you. But whoever wishes to become great among you must become your servant And whoever wishes to be first among you must be a slave of all. For the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. May the Spirit of God speak to the people of God. Together we say, thanks be to God. Be seated, please, as our children are dismissed for their time of worship. As our children leave, let us bow together and pray. Our God, these services of worship are in many ways prepared and scripted. And yet, as the hymnist of old wrote, all is vain unless the spirit of the Holy One comes down. So come and be among us. Open our hearts to hear what is ours to hear. Give us the courage to hear what is given to us and the faith to put it into practice. We thank you for the high honor of being able to be part of something bigger than ourselves. And as we think about the church that extends back through time, we know that your presence has been always wanting to bear the same and consistent witness. May we, your people today, be open to your spirit in such a way that a revolution of love could burst forth. Hear us now, O God, as together we employ the words that Jesus long ago taught his first disciples to pray, praying, Our Father... Who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Many of you have seen the movie that came out some years ago called Evan Almighty. Steve Carell movie that includes Morgan Freeman playing the role of God, who at one point asks, when someone asks of God uh, a favor, God responds, if you ask for patience, does God just give you patience? Or does God give you the opportunity to be patient? If you ask for courage, does God just give you courage? Or does God give you the opportunity to be courageous? If you ask for a close family, does God just give you some warm, fuzzy feelings? Or does God give you the opportunity to love each other through the tough times? Be careful what you ask for. James and John come to Jesus and sounding like really like children say, We want you to do for us whatever we ask of you. Any parent in the room knows when a child comes asking that question, you better have your guard up. In fact, James and John, what we want, what we might call the power seats. Grant us to sit at your right and left hand when you come into your glory. There's not a whole lot of humility in their request. Maybe they felt entitled to such a a position, and maybe they felt entitled to even ask the question. After all, apparently their dad was someone important. Every time you hear their names, they mention that they're the sons of Zebedee, and so maybe he was somebody important. Or maybe they thought because they were part of the inner circle, Peter, James, and John, who go up to the mountain with Jesus on the day of his transfiguration, who later would uh, be with him alone in the Garden of Gethsemane. Maybe they felt uh, entitled to ask the question. Maybe it occurred to them, hmm, there's only two seats, one at the right and one at the left, and there are three of us, Peter, James, and John. We better get there before Simon Peter asks and call first dibs on those good seats. Jesus says to them, be careful what you ask for. Or more exactly, you don't know what you're asking. I do not hear Jesus' tone as one of shaming or putting them down. I think his statement to them, you don't know what you're asking, holds within it this invitation to ask rightly. It reminds me of the reading from Job, where Job has been complaining about how his life is going, and God says in response, actually over several chapters, do you notice the complexity of the world, how beautiful this world is? Where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? After several chapters, it begins to sound like kind of a beatdown. But actually, I think behind it is, again, this invitation to ask rightly to ask with sincerity and humility for what you need and want. In other words, to live 
in a proper relationship with the source and the end of all of life, to live in proper relationship with God and to maintain this spirit of reverence in the face of this great mystery of life that we live and the world that we're part of, this present moment, this mystery that pulls everything forward, to live with a a spirit of gratitude in the face of the gift of this life we have and a spirit of humility when we're tempted. We are prone to wander, as we say. We're prone to think all these crazy things about what we do. It's like the day that Bart Simpson was asked to say the family prayer at Thanksgiving. Bart bowed his head and said, we paid for all this stuff ourselves, so thanks for nothing. Jesus says to James and John, you don't know what you're asking. You're coming at this backwards. Seats at my left and my right hand aren't glory seats. They're not power seats. They're not push, cushy, kingly thrones. They're seats of a servant. Servants who give without reciprocity. There's no, you. I'll make your breakfast today and tomorrow you can make my breakfast. No. Servants are there to serve, to give, to attend to the needs of others. Now, I understand that this is what we call analogical speech. This is not literal uh, references to servants and slaves and masters. It's not like Jesus had a set of butler uniforms for the disciples to put on or a bunch of maids' dresses for other followers to wear. But rather, he's saying that when we awaken to the sacredness of life, When the transformation begins in us, we recognize two things. One, we recognize that we're children of God. We're children of God. We wake up to this uh, discovery that not only are sins forgiven, but that we're loved as we are for who we are. And we feel this enormous empowerment that we are the children of God. But at the very same time, we also recognize that we're called to be like God. To be a chip off the old block. To be the apple that doesn't fall far from the tree. That the God who created this world in love, who woos it with this self-giving, relentless love, calls us to live in exactly the same way. I've I've been quoting this poet recently who says that we were placed in this world, a little space, in order that we might bear the beams of love. It's who we are. It's how we were designed. And it's when we live outside of that way that we find life hitting bumps and conflict. When we find ourselves ill at ease, when we live into this way, we will find that God is still creating the world, still loving the world through us. This past March, I went on a retreat with a couple of other members of this congregation with Michael French and Philip Garrett. We went to a place called Rolling Ridge Community. It's just 2,000 acres of beautiful land outside of Washington, D.C. 
But it was March, and it was cold, and it was rainy, and it was muddy, and we slept in tents. And did I say I was cold? And there were showers that you could take at your own risk, but it was cold. I'm not much of an outdoorsman, but it was a profoundly moving experience. Not only the, the uh, lessons we learned, the, the people we met, but the experiences we had. Uh, we were prepared, prepped the night before to go spend an entire day out in the woods completely by ourselves. They even told us what to do if a bear should happen down our way. We were told to go out and find our own space, far away from anyone else. And with 50 men and 2,000 acres, it's pretty easy to go out and basically get lost. They said, find a place and draw yourself a little 10 by 10 square. Just take a stick and draw a square and let that be your hermitage for the day. Don't wander around. Just stay right there and listen for God. So I found my space. It was on a a little slope of a hill. I could hear or see not a soul. And I picked the space because I noticed that there was a little stream of water that was coming down uh, near, near the space that I'd set up. But as I quieted myself and began to watch the trees and the wind, and as I watched animals that made their way through the woods... I noticed that there wasn't just one stream, that in fact I could hear seven different streams, both on the hill I was on, but also the one across the ridge. I could hear them, and I began to be able to see where they were and hear the different pitches, the notes that they made as they, as they cascaded downward. What I noticed was, of course, that the water was being pulled downward, past obstacles that would interrupt the flow. And in fact, that's where the the sound came from as they made their way over and around the different rocks and hills. But each stream, each molecule of the water seemed willing to move to the very lowest point and to meet up with other streams and become one with those streams and to continue down until they became part of something that was bigger than just themselves now I know about gravity I I did go to school one time many many years ago but I do remember about gravity but this seemed to me something more than gravity it seemed to me almost a parable that illustrated Jesus most oft repeated teaching and that is Those who lose their lives will find it. That we're being invited to be the servant of all. He took a a little child and set it in their midst and said, you have to become like a child to enter the kingdom of heaven. Over and over again, Jesus talks about the importance of accepting this invitation to servanthood. God's children are those who accept this invitation into the stream of love, who are willing to be drawn down. 
into a place of service and love, being willing to lose oneself, to be vulnerable, and to unite and merge with other things until you're part of something that is bigger than you, who you are, something that is uniting and alive, something we might call being one with the living water. And for me, that pool, that pool on every human heart to be part of this work, that pool, that's God. There's God. We're in our pledge season at Highland. I happen to notice that the public radio partnership is also in its pledge season. WPK, WPL. W-U-O-L, making their appeals. And any time you turn on the radio, you hear this appeal. Come, pick up the phone right now, $10 a month, whatever. And they appeal in different ways. They make it kind of a business transaction. You just, this is just something you do, and it, you're obligated to do it. Others say it's a way to show your appreciation for all the great music or news that you, you listen to or Still others will say, don't be stealing the, the, the music or the news. Give your fair share. Still others will appeal to, uh, let's make Louisville the best public radio station in the land. Here at Highland, our pledge season is about something else. And I would say something more. It's about this sacred gravity drawing us all into this stream downward to release some part of ourselves, some percentage of our income in a way that is sacrificial and intentional and felt. How much should you pledge? I don't know. Except I know that it needs to be sacrificial and intentional and felt. For me and my family, we, we give 10% of what we receive. So that if we receive $100,000 collectively a year, we, we give $10,000. But the amount is not as significant as the fact that it, for you, is sacrificial and intentional and felt. Because when we do this, we enter into this flow of the stream that moves downward in love, that we join this universal draw toward peace and healing and unity and love. And for me, and I think for you, that feels much more revolutionary, much more transforming than James and John and their Game of Thrones. Let us sit on your right and your left. Are you able to drink the cup I drink from? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I've been baptized with? It's a reminder to us, church, that our most basic symbols, communion, baptism, these are symbols that commit us to this servant way. The question posed to James and John and to us, because it is Jesus' constant theme, is here for us yet again today. The question is, do we get it? Do we believe it? Don't be insulted if you don't get it. We don't all get it on the same day. Maybe 
some here don't believe that love and servanthood, the, the way of Christ, is really the way. I hope you will someday, but I understand not believing. In some ways, it makes sense not to believe. But we gather here because we do believe this way. We recognize that there are any number of times throughout the history of the church where the church hasn't believed it, where it's gone over to the other side in terms of power and control and manipulation. But at our best, at our best, we believe this and we follow it. Maybe you're like one of the ten who come back angry with James and John because you don't get to have a power seat. Or maybe, maybe you still want to go there. Maybe there's too much here. Maybe it's too scary. It does feel scary to think about surrendering a percentage of your income or even worse, your life to this way. In a world of radical individualism, this is countercultural, and I understand that fully. But maybe, maybe you're at that place where you're beginning to realize that the sacred gravity that draws us downward into this way of servanthood is actually on our side, wanting the best for us, that the call to serve and give and love and sacrifice isn't some hazing thing. It isn't a form of bribery to God. It is, as Jesus said, the way, the truth, the life. Sometimes it takes a, a while. Sometimes it takes a lifetime. But as the old saying goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Perhaps pledging, even today, could be that first hillside stream that we're drawn into. The stream which flows downward in self-giving love, pulled by that sacred gravity, and we step into it just for today, and we release some portion of ourselves, our money, and we test this water to see if it will take us anywhere of significance. And when we do, when we trust this pool more and more, here's what we find. We find that we become part of this great dream that Amos talked about long, long ago when he said, let justice run down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. I want to be part of a church like that. And I think you're here today because you do too. To the glory of God. Let's pray. If we ask for patience, you give us the opportunity to be patient. If we ask for courage, you give us the opportunity to be courageous. And if we ask that you make us faithful, you give us opportunities to show faith in tangible ways. This pledging season is but one. But may it be the beginning 
of a great revival in the life of Highland as we give ourselves ever more fully to you in this great transforming work of love. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our hymn is number 672. It is an opportunity for us to sing a prayer to God, to prepare our hearts for making pledges. It is also an opportunity for those who may feel drawn even into this work of love to come and be part of what God is doing here at Highland Baptist Church. We would welcome you to become a member of this church today as we stand together and sing number 672.